from the Pod Connect Studios high in the Rockies at the beautiful Beaver Creek Resort. This is a special cannabis crowdfunding episode. Today on Raising Cannabis Capital, we are continuing our cannabis crowdfunding series with our old friend, Brett Andrews from MicroVentures. Brett, welcome back to the show. Hey, Dan. Nice to see you again. Thanks for having me. It's been a while. How have you been? I've been doing great. How about yourself? I'm good. I'm good. Back when we started this show, you were a reoccurring guest because MicroVentures was one of the only crowdfunding platforms smart enough to host cannabis-related campaigns. But even with MicroVentures is known for breaking down barriers, you still have to follow federal banking regulations. What type of cannabis or hemp businesses can MicroVentures accept? Yeah, it's a good question. So I think when we spoke initially, what was it, a couple of years ago, at the time we were really focused on ancillary products and services. So technology companies that were were building products in the cannabis industry and serving cannabis companies. It's shifted a little bit over the last couple of years. And we've started to see stuff that is getting much closer to touching the plant, right? So products that are actually infused with some sort of cannabinoid. And I've been looking at those. It's on a case-by-case basis. So it is a little bit of a uh, moving target in terms of what we can and can't work with. But it's certainly expanded since we first spoke the last couple of years. Just because a business complies doesn't necessarily mean that they'll get automatically accepted because MicroVentures does not accept every company that applies. Yeah, that's right. We still ultimately, whether or it's cannabis or any other industry, need to see that an investment opportunity meets a certain standard, right? We want to put quality opportunities in front of our investor base. And so when we're looking at a business, and this varies a little bit depending on what the product or service might be, but we want to see that they've got a problem with a known solution. A lot of ways we find that out is by traction. So if it is a software or some sort of service that's not in the consumer package good space, we want to see users. We want to see the product is out in market. If it is a, let's say a CBD company, for example, then we want to see sales. We want to see that the, the company has gotten to a point where they validated that there is at least some market for the product and that they're looking for capital to grow. Beyond that, I think differentiation is is important for us. So obviously over the last couple of years, the cannabis space has exploded with a lot of different businesses. So I, I think it's become a little more challenging to find those companies that really stand out within the large space that it is. But when we see something that you know is different than what's out there, is showing some promise through early traction and uh, is run by a team that we really believe can execute, that's what gets us excited. Can you walk us through the process, like from the time somebody were to apply until the time the money hits their bank? Yeah, sure. So the very first step is an intro call, or I guess submitting an application. We have companies that come to us by way of applications through our website, referrals from people within our network, occasional outreach when, when our team sees something that we're particularly excited about. Once we we have that first point of contact, we typically review whatever materials the company has. Usually that's a pitch deck or maybe even an executive summary. Uh, and then we go to set up an intro call, which I'm usually participating in. Through the intro call, 
we do some high level due diligence to understand what the business does, where they are in their current timeline and what they're looking for from a fundraising perspective. From there, we have an investment committee approval process. So for the for the opportunities that I believe our team will have interest in, I do a little further due diligence and then present those to our team. If it does get moved to the next step, then we will sign an agreement to move forward on the round. We'll work out what the terms of that raise are going to be and how much we're, we're going to attempt to, to raise for the company. And then we go into a a more formal due diligence process. During that period, we are collecting a a lot more in-depth due diligence documents. Our team starts to put together a package, which is first done through like a Word document and then eventually shared on our platform to investors. And simultaneously with that, we're also getting the regulatory documents done. I'm sure listeners of your show and maybe have heard past guests are probably familiar somewhat with the Reg CF process, but you have to go through a Form C filing, uh, disclo- investor disclosure document filing, as well as a financial review, some other items. So we help companies guide through that process with whoever the third-party service providers, so attorneys and CPAs that are working on that. And then once we have the full package together, then we go live on the platform and start raising capital. In terms of timeline, our target is always 30 days for that first piece of getting the due diligence documents done. Things can vary a little bit depending on how prepared and documented things are on the company side. And then the raise period varies quite a bit depending on the company and and how much traction the raise itself is getting. And isn't there a certain point where you have to hit a minimum investment in order for the campaign to continue? Yeah, that's right. So all of our campaigns have a minimum and then a maximum. So that minimum is the minimum they need to pass by the end of the raise period, which is outlined in the Form C. There will be a closing date of that offering. We need to cross that minimum threshold in order to break escrow, meaning to close on any amount of funds up to that maximum number. And so we typically work with the company hand in hand on deciding what that minimum is. But that's right. Yeah. Before we wrap up, let's talk about investing. It's not very expensive. In fact, you can get in most campaigns for as little as 100 bucks. But like any investment, there are risks. What are some things investors should know before they invest? I think that they really need to do their own due diligence as well. As you mentioned before, we we do everything we can to properly vet opportunities on the front end, both from a business value perspective as well as a compliance perspective to make sure that the offering is following the guidelines that are set forth by the SEC. But part of the reason those guidelines are there is so that investors have access to in-depth information about the business. I think that when you go to a campaign on our platform, for example, we have the fund summary, which is the, the digital layout of all the stuff related to the business. So this is everything from kind of background on the company, what the company does, the you know, business model, any sort of financials, background on the team, and then obviously terms of the investment. With that, there are links to the Form C as well as the other disclosure documents that are required to be filed with the SEC. So I would encourage investors to go through all of that information before making a decision, both on the platform and, and to the links of the SEC website. If anything, even if it's even if you're just curious, I think it gives you um, a better understanding of how these types of investments are are done. And then we also have a discussion forum at the bottom of those campaigns where if you do have questions, you can submit them there and the entrepreneur or the founder can actually respond directly to your question. So I would encourage investors to look through all of the information and then if they have any questions and to reach out through that. 
Yeah, the discussion forum is great. I also like the videos. A lot of your campaigns have a video, which are great. Yeah, that's right. So we do with the companies to put together videos very often. It's not a requirement for us, but it's something that can go a long way. I think I heard this somewhere that a picture is worth a thousand words, then a video is worth like a million or something to that effect, where I do think that you know, we can take in a lot more information for, through video. And I think you can get a sense for, for the founders because very often in those videos, they're, they're speaking a little bit. So you can get a sense for the, whether or not they're professional and all the other aspects that you may not be able to get just through reading through legal docs. Now, there are a bunch of crowdfunding platforms. What makes MicroVentures unique? Yeah, it's a good question, Dan. So I guess first off, all of us have to operate by the same playbook in terms of the regulations that SEC's imposed on these Reg CF fundraises. So there's certain things that have to be consistent across platforms. You know, we've been around for 10 years. So we're one of the older platforms that's that's been doing this and have consistently been growing year over year. Additionally, when we got started, Reg CF wasn't even uh, in play at that point. So everything that we did was through a Reg D exemption, which is a different type of fundraising mechanism where you the offerings available to accredited investors only. What that's allowed for us to do is have a an additional side of our business and build a pretty vibrant base of accredited investors. And then those folks participate quite often to our Reg CF deals. I I think that makes us in some ways different than than some of the other platforms that are out there. Yeah, I'm sure it helps when you have a couple accredited investors jumping in on a campaign that's got to help get the number up quick. Yeah, we see it. It's typically a reasonable percentage of the funds that are raised through our Reg CF campaigns come through the accredited investor portion. Part of that is just there aren't limits into what they can contribute. So they can write checks of any size. But that is a trend that we've seen over the years. We have Brett's and MicroVentures info in the show notes. So if you're considering raising money or you're looking for a company to invest in, check out their website. And please make sure you read everything and understand everything before you invest. Brett, it's always great to catch up. Thanks for being on the show today. Hey, likewise, Dan. It's always a good time. Uh, Thanks for having me. It was great. Thanks for listening to today's show. To check out more great cannabis podcasts, go to podconnects.com. Here's a preview of one of our other shows. I'm Josh Kincaid, Capital Markets Analyst and host of your cannabis business podcast, The Talking Hedge, and newest member on PodConX. So come on over and check out The Talking Hedge. We talk about business news, interviews, investments, events, all that stuff. So come nerd out with me over at The Talking Hedge. You can find me at thetalkinghedgepodcast.com or on all your favorite podcast platforms. Don't forget to like, share, and subscribe, or don't, and I'm out.